Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. And today we've got a real treat for you. It's Bradley Nelson is coming on to talk about his new book, The Body Code. And he has trained over 10,000 practitioners worldwide in his method of energy healing uh, using a form of muscle testing to help to tune into the body's innate intelligence and to figure out what's going on in the body and the underlying root causes of various health issues. And that's what his book, The Body Code, is all, all about. It, he has got six different categories of uh, underlying uh, root causes of health issues and can real, and anyone can learn to pinpoint what health issues uh, they have or the underlying root causes of their health issues. So really a fascinating interview today. And we also touch on uh, Bradley's former book called The Emotion Code, which is a worldwide runaway bestseller and, and go into exactly what is energy healing, what is muscle testing, uh, what are trapped emotions and this like um, different types of emotional trauma that can cause really every imaginable health symptom, every imaginable illness causes pain, causes, uh, you know, uh, weight issues and what have you. Uh, so many different health issues are caused by trapped emotions. And so Dr. Nelson goes over uh, his his kind of discoveries that he learned over 17 years in practice in, in California. And it's such a great show today. So definitely tune in. You're going to learn a lot uh, and I def definitely highly recommend Dr. Nelson's book, uh, The Emotion Code, and his new book, The Body Code. And I know you guys listening to this show, you're concerned about your, your health issues and wondering what the causes are. And it's fascinating that 65% of health issues or even more are caused by emotional trauma. And I created a, a free masterclass that you can go check out totally for free at emo-detox.com, E-M-O-D-E-T-O-X.com, where you'll learn all the, fa the fascinating research uh, behind this phenomenon, why you need to work on your emotional trauma, uh, where emotional trauma relies in your body, and why talk therapy doesn't work to address trauma. Um, just a really fascinating uh, hour masterclass that I, I recommend to anyone of my listeners. So check it out, emo-detox.com. So our guest today, Dr. Bradley Nelson, um, he is a veteran holistic physician. Uh, he's one of the world's foremost experts on natural methods of achieving wellness. He's a creator of the emotion code and the body code system and the CEO of Discover Healing, a holistic education platform that provides training and uh, certifies practitioners worldwide. His best-selling book, The Emotion Code, provides step-by-step -step instructions for working with the body's energy healing power. And his new book is The Body Code, Unlocking Your Body's Ability to Heal Itself. For more information and a free Emotion Code starter kit, you can visit emotioncodegift.com. And you can also learn more about Dr. Nelson and his work at discoverhealing.com. Bradley, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, thank you, uh, Wendy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So why don't you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got, got you so interested in working on, you know, stuck emotions and, and trauma in the body? 
my journey really began when I was seven years old. Uh, I was, uh, I was really sick with the measles and, um, I had overheard my parents talking and I knew what the plan was. The plan was that, uh, uh, I was going to the hospital the next day and I was going into something called an oxygen tent and I didn't know what an oxygen tent was. The tent part sounded kind of interesting, but I was, uh, way too sick to think about camping. And, uh, my parents had made a bed for me on the couch upstairs near their living uh, in the living room. So I could be near their bedroom. And, uh, this night everybody else had gone to bed and my parents came into the room and I'm lying there on the couch feeling really ill. And, um, my mother said to my father, uh, she, she said, honey, will you kneel down with me and say a prayer for our boys? So we will be able to get well. So they did. And knowing my dad, he wasn't a preacher or anything like that. He was in real estate and construction. <laughs> knowing him, it was probably the first time in my life I'd ever actually heard him pray, but I think they were really worried about me. And so my dad starts offering this prayer. And uh, in the middle of this, I have this amazing experience where this change begins at the top of my head and it goes through my body to the soles of my feet and I'm instantly healed. Now, this is, this is one of the most vivid memories that I have um, in my life, actually. It was just an incredible thing. And I remember every moment and, uh, and I remember uh, I bit my tongue till my dad was done praying, which didn't take long. And when he was done, I said, I'm better, I'm better. And they said, yeah, it's fine. Go back to sleep. But the next day proved it that I actually was healed. And so at that very young age, I learned in a really profound way, two things. I learned that there's a higher power that we can draw upon for help, an unseen power. And I also learned that uh, healing uh, sometimes can happen instantly because that's what happened to me. And so, uh, so I kind of filed those things away. So then about seven years later, I ended up um, getting these terrific pains in the back and they'd come out of nowhere and knock me to the ground. And uh, it was kind of terrifying. My parents took me to the hospital and they ran tests and they said I had kidney disease. And, uh, and it was quite serious, but there was really no medical treatment available for me. And so uh, my folks took me to see some alternative doctors and they started working on me and I could feel in my body um, that what these guys were doing seemed to be just what my body needed because I could feel my body responding right away. And the pains became almost immediately started to become less frequent and less severe. And within a few weeks, um, I was feeling totally better. And, uh, the tests were redone at the hospital and sure enough, I, I was better. And I decided at that time, that's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a, a doctor and I wanted to be a doctor like these people that, and they happened to practice there were a couple of old time osteopathic doctors. They practiced out on the edge of town in a uh, trailer house in the middle of a wheat field. <laughs> and so um, I decided that's what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, then I got involved in computer programming and um, uh, that dream of going into the healing arts kind of uh, got set aside. And uh and then it was really a, a, a powerful answer to prayer that brought me back to that original dream that I had had for so long. So I went to chiropractic school. And uh, when I got out, um, opened up my own practice, started working with people, I developed this habit of asking for help. Um, 
because I thought, well, God's gotten me into this. Maybe, maybe God will help me now. I sure could use help. And so uh, with everybody that I saw, before I would go to work on them, I would just take a moment and uh, just ask for help from up above, kind of as a way to acknowledge that I needed help and also as a way to really kind of open that uh, that conduit so that help could flow. And uh, and I'll tell you something, Wendy, it was really interesting. Uh, I practiced for uh, roughly, a, uh, roughly 20 years. And what I found during those years was that there were times when, and by the way, this is a totally private, totally personal habit that I had. Nobody ever knew that I was actually praying for them, but I was, it was just a short, just a momentary pause really. Um, but there were times when people would come in to see me. I didn't know how to approach their problem. I didn't know how to help them. I didn't know how to, uh, how to really work with them. And in response to that silent plea for help, information would just flood in like an avalanche um, of data and understanding. And uh, so I would get these big downloads once in a great while. I mean, over all those years, that happened, I think, probably five times. Um. I think most of the time, though, when we ask for help like that, the help comes to to us in really subtle forms. It it comes in the form of maybe a little impression, or a thought, or an idea that we might have that we think, oh, is our own, but often it's coming from somewhere else. And so, um, so I learned that that higher power is really uh, is really available and is aware of what we're doing all the time. And if we ask for help, then we get it. It's like the old saying, you know, ask and receive and knock and it's open and so on. So um, what I found was, well, first of all, let me back up. When I was in chiropractic school, uh, I can remember my neurology instructor talking about uh, the brain and kind of using and saying how the brain was this amazing computer. Well, I had become a computer programmer before I went to school. And uh, in fact, I, I programmed the admissions office computer systems. That's, I wrote all their software while I was going through school. It's, I helped, you know, it helped to put me through school. So I'm sitting there in class hearing this instructor and I'm thinking, wow, the brain's a computer. That makes sense. I wonder if we'll ever have the technology to access it. I wonder if we'll ever be able to find a back door to that computer. So we'll be able to actually ask questions and find out what's really going on. Will we ever be able to, to dump that information out and actually decode things and figure out what's going on? Because the brain must know what's going on with people. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could actually go directly to the source, to the computer itself and ask questions? And I can remember sitting there thinking that and really that was the beginning of everything that I've done in my life and, and, and uh, all of this work that I've helped to bring into the world, the emotion code, the body code, because it's really all about that idea. It's about asking and getting answers. And really the brain, the way you have to look at it really is that we have this brain and, and setting aside how people you know, differentiate and divvy things up. If, if you think about, the fact that we have two minds, we have a conscious mind, we have our consciousness where we spend all of our waking hours, where we're doing this interview, for example, uh, where we work our jobs and have our relationships and so on. When we go to sleep at night, the conscious mind shuts off and what's left, the subconscious mind, right? And the subconscious mind never shuts down ever until we die. Uh, in fact, even then, I think it keeps going 
Um, but, uh, but what happens to us is during our lives, that subconscious mind is the computer that is running everything. And uh, it's remembering everything. It's kind of a holographic archiving computer. Uh, and I believe it remembers everything we've ever done, every face we've ever seen in a crowd, everything we've ever eaten or tasted or touched or smelled, um, the whole history of our health or disease, the list of things that need to be fixed uh, for us to be healthier, um, wealthier, uh, whatever it is we need. It's all in there in the subconscious mind. And so, uh, so when I was in practice, it was really interesting because as years went by, I was gradually learning more and more about how to access that, uh, that subconscious mind and how to get information out of it. And it was, uh, it was a really interesting experience, um, you know, over the, over years as this, as this went on. And, uh, I found that, um, I found that I could, uh, I could actually just think about certain things, how this happened, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you. This stuff I don't usually talk about on podcasts, but I had a, uh, I had this habit. What I would do is um, I practiced a specific method of chiropractic where a person would come in, a patient would come in and they would stand on a table that was in a vertical position and grab onto the handholds. And then I'd press a button and the table would lay down flat and the foot plate that they were standing on would drop away. So then what I would do is I would, I would look at the length of their legs and I could determine how balanced or imbalanced their body was by their leg length. And uh, the goal was to correct any imbalances, any misalignments going on, especially in the spine, to bring their legs to a state of balance by the time the visit was done, right? And one of the things that I learned early on from some, some other, uh, might have been this, it's called activator methods. It might have been from them. I don't remember. But you could challenge a bone. So if a bone was out of alignment in a certain direction, if you pushed it further into the direction that it was misaligned into, the leg length would, uh, differential would increase. In other words, the body would become more imbalanced. And so I used this method and had great results uh, for many years. Um, one day I, I had uh, I'd been working on a person and for some reason I, it was the very end of this guy's treatment. And for some reason I was standing there, I had his legs totally balanced. The treatment was over, but for some reason I was just thinking about his kidney, his specifically his left kidney. I have no idea why I don't remember. I was thinking about his left kidney and I came back and I checked his leg length and it was way off. And I thought, what? And I, so I thought about his right kidney and checked his leg length and it was balanced. Same length, same, you know, same length. And then I thought of his left kidney again and it imbalanced again. And I thought, what in the heck is going on? So, um, so I was able to find, you know, he had some imbalance going on in his kidney. And so I was able to help him and so on. So um, anyway, it was a, it was a very interesting process um, how this happened. I had a patient once that came into me that had been in a car accident and uh, her neck hurt from the base of her neck all the way down to her left shoulder. And, uh, and it was about a nine on a zero to 10 scale and it wasn't going away. And uh, I worked on her for a month and it just was not changing at all. And I thought, this is really, really strange. I sent her next door. I was in a, a really nice uh, medical center in Laguna Niguel, California, uh, where I practiced for a long time. I sent her next door to have an MRI 
and the MRI came back perfect. I mean, her book, her neck was like textbook perfect. So I didn't know what else to do. The, the symptoms were strange. And uh, so I started asking some questions and, uh, and actually using her leg length to get the yes and no answers. And what I found was there was something out of alignment, sure enough, but it wasn't a bone. It was actually her heart. Her heart had become misaligned in the accident, just a little bit, right? And I was able to ask questions and figure out exactly how it was misaligned, what the exact directions were. It was, it was, it had gone a little forward and a little to one side. So I was able to figure out the, uh, you know, the the exact way to correct this. I just put the the um, heel of one hand on her sternum and then just kind of gave a tap in just the right direction and angle with my other hand to realign the heart, and that was the intention. And um, the pain instantly disappeared and, and didn't ever come back. She ended up actually becoming my office manager. <laughs> so there were a lot of interesting things that I saw over those years. And of course, uh, one of the most important things that I found was that all of my patients were suffering from uh, what I came to call emotional baggage. Um, no matter how young or old they were, or no matter what they were suffering from, no matter what their symptoms were, they all had something in common. And as I came to trust the subconscious mind of my patients more and more and ask questions more and more and get more and more answers, uh, that's what I found, that they all had emotional baggage in common and that emotional baggage or the trapped energy of those emotional ex experiences that they'd been through um, was a huge underlying factor um, it was a uh, it was an underlying cause, and usually the underlying cause of things like depression and anxiety and phobias and panic attacks and PTSD and eating disorders and self sabotage and and it was a huge underlying cause of physical pain. I mean, ninety percent of all the physical pain that people that I saw was because of emotional baggage, and it was also an underlying um, factor, a common denominator in every disease process that I saw. And during the last 10 years of my practice, most of the people that I saw had been told there was no cure for them at all in Western medicine. So in other words, they weren't going to get well with drugs or surgery. Uh, no amount of therapy was going to fix them. And so they were considered incurable. So these people would come to see me and, uh, and I would start asking questions of their subconscious mind. And uh, I got to a point where I trusted the subconscious mind totally. And I knew that it had all the answers. And uh, as a computer programmer, because that's what I used to be, I always had a computer sitting there in my office where I was working so that as I would find new imbalances on my patients, I had a way to record them. So gradually, as years and years went by, I built up this massive database of all the different kinds of things that could go wrong with people. And then what was really interesting was that I found that the subconscious minds of my patients somehow already knew what was in this mind map system in my computer. And it only existed in one place in the world, in my computer, but their subconscious minds already seemed to know. In other words, what I had done is I had divided up uh, all these imbalances into six different categories. And, uh, and so those categories kind of look like this in the body code book. Um, and the categories are things like energies, for example, emotional baggage, trauma, uh, things like that. I know that's one category. Another category, of course, is pathogens. 
we all know if you got pathogens living in your body, you're not going to be as healthy as you could be. You got to get rid of those. And those are things like bacteria, fungal infections, viruses, mold, and so on. And then another category is circuits and systems. And that has to do with the, the systems of the body, of course, the traditional systems, cardiovascular system, nervous system, and so on, but also things like the chakras and the meridians, and also the connections between the physical body and the spirit within us, because there's an interface there. And uh, that's another category. And yet another category is misalignments, of course. As a chiropractor, I was working with misalignments. But I found that any tissue can misalign. Any tissue can misalign. And usually those misalignments are actually being caused by other things, like trapped emotions and things like that. And then I found, of course, uh, one of the categories is toxins. You uh, can't be healthy if you're full of toxins. And then uh, the last category is what we call nutrition and lifestyle. And that has to do with, of course, vitamins and minerals and deficiencies and things like that. So during these years, I found, I, I saw some really interesting things happen by asking questions of this internal computer and getting answers. I'll share a story or two with you. There was a, uh, there was a woman that came into me once who had this chronic cough. She'd had this cough for a year. She was coughing all day long. She'd cough all night long. She said to me that her husband had moved to the other end of the house months before and she said that their marriage was starting to show signs of stress because of this cough. And she had been to multiple doctors. She'd had MRIs and CAT scans. I mean, they'd done everything and there was nothing wrong with her as far as they could tell. So um, asking questions of her subconscious mind and using this kind of a map, it didn't look quite like this back then, but uh, asking questions, I found that she had some kind of a toxin in her body. And... Uh, Turning to that section, uh, asking some more questions, it turned out it was some kind of a chemical toxin. It wasn't a heavy metal or some kind of a biological toxin. Uh, it was a chemical. And so I thought, hmm, some kind of chemical. So I looked up on Google and uh, just looked for a list of common household chemicals. And I'm kind of scrolling through this list and asking questions, testing her body to see if she is going to respond to any of these. And I got to something called Camphophenique. You remember Camphophenique, Wendy? I do. I got rubbed <laughs> on my chest many times, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably illegal now. It's probably banned. I don't even know. But I got a response from her body, from her subconscious mind. I, what I'm doing is, as I'm looking at these things, I'm muscle testing her to get to see what her subconscious mind uh, is going to say. And so I get this muscle strength change when I'm pointing at Camphophenique. And I said, huh, Camphophenique. And her face turned white as a sheet. And she's looking at me with these big, huge eyes. And she says, Camphophenique. And I said, yeah, Camphophenique. Do you use Camphophenique? And she said, well, yeah. She said, every night, um, this elderly woman who was a friend of their family loved her to come over and rub her feet with camphophenic before she went to bed. It was the last thing she did every day. And I said, well, I think that's your problem, camphophenic. And so that was <laughs> of course. it. Yeah, she quit using it and, and that was it, right? So, you know, the beauty of that is that her subconscious mind knew that that was the issue. She had never even thought of it, but that was it. And so she never had any other trouble. So, you know, it's so interesting because the subconscious mind really does know 
I remember another story. And I think these stories, I've, I've actually recorded these in the book, um, along with a lot of other stories that have been sent in by other people around the world. But one of my favorite stories, one of the most dramatic things that I saw uh, that highlights this ability of the subconscious mind to give answers was um, this young woman who uh, was in her probably mid, I guess, mid-20s. She came in to me one day. She'd been hospitalized for five days for this pain in her abdomen. And um, every test during those five days had been run. All the tests were totally negative. And at the end of it, they said, you know, we really can't find anything wrong with you. You're going to have to go. And so she did. So she comes in to see me. Her pain's about a nine on a zero to 10 scale. And uh, I thought, okay, I couldn't find anything in the hospital. Let's see if I can find anything. And so using the body code, I found some trapped emotions, some emotional energies. I found a couple of other things, cleared everything that I could find. One of the things that I found as I was working with her, I was taken to this area, the nutrition and lifestyle area here. And uh, I was taken to a chart um, that I had put together of all these nutrients divided up into columns and rows, kind of like the emotion code chart. And I, I tested her and I found uh, as I was going through this chart that she needed chromium. And I thought, well, okay, chromium, that's, you know, you need that for blood pressure or sorry, for blood sugar uh, and some other things. I thought, okay, that's, that's incidental to this pain. I, so I just thought, okay, your subconscious mind is just giving us something that's incidental that I do think you probably need this. And, but I don't think it's a big deal. And we were out of it at the time. We used to carry all kinds of supplements. I said, we're out, but I think you should get some at some point. Didn't think it was a big deal. So she comes in the next morning. She's my first patient the next day. And she's actually getting worse. So now she's about a 10 and a half on the zero to 10 scale. And I'm thinking, okay, they, I don't know how they missed it, but they must have missed it in the hospital. There's got to be something really major you're going on with her. I don't know how they missed it. And I didn't know what else to do. So um, I broke out the body code, got into the computer and started asking questions. And out of all the possibilities, the really thousands of possibilities I could, could have been taken to, I was taken to nutrition and lifestyle and into that nutritional chart again. And I arrived once again at chromium. And it was only at that moment that I remembered, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, chromium. I told you yesterday we were out of it. And I said to her, you know, I don't know why, but I said, your body really seems to need chromium. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave my office right now. I want you to go down the street of the health food store, ask for chromium, go ahead and take it, ask for water, uh, buy it, and then come back here. 20 minutes later, Wendy, this young, very, very athletic, uh, young woman is literally jumping up and down in my waiting room. And she's saying, I'm fixed. I'm fixed. She said, how did that work? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. I said, um, and still to this day, I don't know why it worked, but I said, you know, luckily your subconscious mind knew that's what you needed. And I said, you must've been really deficient. And I said, why that worked exactly. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll never know. I, no one's ever been able to explain it to me. But luckily, we were asking questions and her subconscious mind was able to give us the answer. And that pain that, she, that it put her in the hospital for five days 
suddenly instantly gone. See, well, her subconscious mind knew she needed that. And so uh, that really is what this work is all about in a nutshell. It's about the fact that we can ask questions of the subconscious mind and assume that it does know the answers because it does. And um, the approach here is really, it's really very different from Western medicine, because if you think about how Western medicine operates, Western medicine, as, as we know it, I think was really born on the battlefield in the Civil War and in the World Wars. And it's, it was developed around this idea that I like to call heroic measures. And that means that, you know, if you're a soldier and a cannonball comes bouncing along and takes your leg off, well, you better hope that your doctor performs heroic measures on you and quickly, right? Because otherwise you're going to die. And there have been lots of doctors who have performed lots of heroic measures and lots of life-saving things and you know, back then and still do, right? So Western medicine is fantastic at acute problems that are life-threatening. And Western medicine has done, I mean, there are incredible advancements. I remember, uh, well, for example, when my father had an aneurysm a number of years ago, um, it was right in the front of his brain. And they were able to go into his groin and put a, a little titanium, titanium coil up in there, tiny little ball of titanium that was like a thread when they let go of it, it rewound itself into a ball and sealed the leak. You know, I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. But most of the time, most people don't need dramatic intervention like that. And so when people have symptoms, Western medicine is geared towards suppressing those symptoms. And sometimes that's really a good thing to do, but it's often not a really good long-term solution. So people end up taking drugs and then they take drugs for those side effects. And, you know, a lot of, it's not unusual at all for people over 65 or 70 years old to be on, you know, 10 or 12 different medications. And it's impossible really to calculate the potential drug interactions between all of those different medications. It's just not possible to calculate. So anyway, this is a reason why they say that uh, prescription medications are the third leading cause of death today. And those are, drugs that are prescribed and taken according to the prescription. And yet that's how damaging they are, even though there are times when they're really appropriate and really necessary. So when I was in practice, because I didn't have a license to do surgery and remove things, and I didn't have a license to, uh, to prescribe medication to people and suppress their symptoms, I was left with this dilemma of having to figure out what was really going on with people. And so but by asking the subconscious mind, I had this incredible ally, this incredible tool that I could use uh, to figure out what people needed. And it worked incredibly well. And so uh, the first book that I wrote, The Emotion Code, I left practice in 2004. And uh, that book came out in 2007. And I had taught bits and pieces of all of these other things that I had learned uh, and this whole other method that I had put together. I taught parts of that, but I never really taught the whole thing. And I had this vague idea that I would put this into some kind of a package and that I would make it available to doctors and doctors only, because I thought this, this is going to be great. Doctors are going to love this. It'll change how they practice. It'll really open things up for them. And they'll really truly be able to help their patients. And I thought that's what it was for. But about a year after the emotion code book came out, I woke up one morning and my mind was full of instruction. And this is, a, this is kind of a weird thing. I'd never had this happen before, but I woke up and I was specifically told to do something. And the instruction was, you 
need to take everything that you've learned about natural healing and put it into a self-study course that anyone can learn and make it available to everyone everywhere. And that was the instruction. And I remember thinking, are you sure about this? It sounds like it could actually require some work <laughs> on my part. And it did. It took, uh, when I finally got started on this, I, I kind of sat on it for about three months, just kind of trying to figure out how I was going to do it. And then um, it took about a year to put together what we call the body code. Um, it was body code 1.0. And in 2013, we, we did a lot of updating to it. And that uh, we called that one body code 2.0. Now we call it the body code system. And now we have um, the body code book that came out just recently. And it's interesting because, you know, the, uh, when, when the publisher wanted me to write a book about the body code, I wasn't really sure what to do, how to do it, because the body code system really is an app that runs on your computer or on your phone or your tablet. And um, there's a lot of information in there. I mean, if you just printed out everything that's in there, it would be, it would be at least a thousand pages. And so when the publisher came to me, they said, we want you to write a book about the body code. I thought, okay, I, I can do that. And I thought, what I'll do is I'll just, um, I'll just tell what the body code is and how you can access the computer. And I'll tell stories and let other people tell stories about how it's helped them. And that's it. So that's how I wrote it up, Wendy. So I sent it into uh, our publisher, Joel Fatinos at St. Martin's Press. And he read it and he came back and he said, no, this is not really what we want. Great. Said, want. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's just exactly what you want to hear after you spend all that time. But he said, what we really want is we want a book that's a companion volume to the emotion code. In other words, the emotion code is a how-to book. Anybody can learn how to find and re release their emotional baggage using the emotion code. And we want the body code to be the same kind of book. And I thought, well, okay, I don't know if that's really possible because the body code system is so big. This would be like writing an encyclopedia. Nobody's going to want to read a book that's, you know, six inches thick or something. So I thought about that a lot and then finally figured out what to do. And so what the body code does is it teaches you, first of all, um, what the body code is uh, and, and how it works and then we actually teach people how to use it. And what we've done is, because we can't include everything in the book, what we've done is we've included um, a lot of the most common kinds of imbalances that we see. And so our hope for people is that they'll actually be able to use this. And because it has kind of the, uh, you know, the, the top imbalances that we find, they're going to be able to find those and correct those. So when you look at the, uh, when you look at the book, I don't know if you can see it from there, but every one of these images has a page number on it. So as you're, um, as you're asking questions of the subconscious mind, your own subconscious or the subconscious mind of a friend or a loved one, you can find imbalances. And then when you find one, you're taken to a page and then you can get more information and you might be taken to another page or another map. And, uh, and in that way, you're able to drill down and find uh, those imbalances and you can correct things. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on, you know, using almost like an energetic diagnosis, because it, it just, to me, seems far more accurate in working in this way than, say, doing functional medical testing and things which we know are 
rife with uh, with the, with issues. But there's a you know fifty percent maybe plus accuracy rate, a uh, lot of lot of wrong information in functional medical testing, and this just seems such a more direct way to tap into the actual body and asking what's going on. Right. Well, I'll give you one example um, that's illustrative of this this concept. I uh, I got to a point where in testing people, when I would find uh, when I would muscle test them and find a pathogen, uh, for example, well, let's pick on parasites. When I would find a parasite going on with somebody, I would initially I would send them to get some tests done, and often the test would come back negative. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. I would put them on some anti-parasite herbs and things, and then they would get better. So I, after years of this, I got to a point where I kind of gave up on the testing because half the time it would come back negative anyway, right? And uh, so, But to give you an example, there's a story that just came to my mind about a, uh, a guy that came to see me. His wife had fibromyalgia, and I had worked with her and by asking her subconscious what the real underlying reasons were, I was able to help her get over her fibromyalgia just by addressing those imbalances. And that was not unusual. I saw a lot of patients with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome and autoimmune problems and so on. But anyway, um, she referred her husband in to see me and she finally got him to come in. And here's his story. Four years before he came in to see me, um, he was driving his truck, he was a truck driver. And he starts getting this uncomfortable feeling in his scrotum and his scrotum is swelling and it swells up and it gets really big and it gets excruciatingly painful and he can't drive anymore. He can barely get around and he goes on total disability for this. And he, meantime, he's seeing specialists all over and getting re referred from one doctor to another and nobody can figure out what's wrong with him. So two years into this, they do surgery and they open him up and they look around, they don't see anything and stitch him back up again, and it all comes back again. And uh, this poor guy, he's about, he's in his mid-30s, uh, young, handsome guy, beautiful young wife, a uh, couple of really cute kids, but his life is just kind of hell because of this. And when he comes in to see me, this has been four years now that he's been totally disabled with this. And uh, at the time that he came in to see me, he is making regular visits up and down the coast of California. I'm in Laguna Niguel. He's going up the coast to see doctors at UCLA Medical Center in LA. He's also going down the coast to see specialists uh, like every other month at Scripps La Jolla. And nobody's fixing him. And it's just going on and on. And he's kind of, I think that really he was kind of a medical anomaly, like a medical mystery. Nobody knew it was wrong. And it was like, okay, here's a medical mystery. See if you can figure this out. And so anyway, I started asking questions. So um, if you can imagine, he's holding his arm straight out parallel to the floor, one of the ways we get answers from the subconscious mind. And I'm asking questions. I'm looking at this chart here and I'm asking, okay, is there a reason why you've got this swelling in your groin, in your scrotum? And his arm comes back strong. Yes, okay. So where's the reason in our chart here? Is it on the left side of the chart? That's weak. That's a no. Okay. Is it a pathogen? Yes. Okay. So I turn to the pathogen section and uh, here are some other options. And so I start testing. Okay. Well, um, is it a fungus or a bacteria? No. Is it a parasite? Yes. It's a parasite. And that's about as long as it took to get to this point. Right. And I said, okay, um, I think you've got a parasite 
it's part of your problem. Maybe all of it. I don't know. And I said, has anybody mentioned that to you, that that could be a problem? And he said, no, nobody's ever mentioned parasites to me in, in these four years. No. And so I tested him to see what kind of a parasite supplement he needed, just some herbs, you know, to get rid of this thing. So he bought it and went home. He didn't want to take it. He just thought, okay, that guy's out of his mind. This isn't going to help me. This is stupid. And his wife said, you know what? She said, you're taking that. And so he did. And so five days later, this guy's back in my office. Still to this day, I think he's the most excited, happiest person I've ever met. Because within five days, it all just melted away. All that swelling. After four years, right? So, you know, if you think about it, I mean, we're finally, Wendy, we're finally at this at this age now that we're, we're just beginning to step into where we're finally starting to realize that, gee, we have all the answers within us. We have this computer within us that knows what's really wrong. We can ask questions and it can give us answers. Wow, that's amazing. And the future that I envision is a future where Western medicine with all of its brilliance and this ability uh, that pretty soon everybody's going to have to ask questions of their own subconscious minds, that's going to give people the best possible future for healthcare, right? Ask the internal computer, hey, maybe sometimes people need a drug. Maybe they need surgery. Maybe they don't. Maybe there are other things. I mean, and, and so, so really to me, this methodology is going to change the world because the body code gives us this really clear roadmap of how to ask questions and get answers about what's really going on inside of us. And it's, uh, it's really fun to do. It's actually really simple and anybody can learn it. It's not difficult at all. And so what do you call this type of like energetic testing or is it, is it muscle testing, kinesiology, um, like energy healing? Like what is your, your term for it and how does it work? Yeah, I just call it muscle testing. And basically it has to do with the fact that um, when the body is in a congruent state, it will be normally strong if we're talking about muscle testing. So in other words, if I were there with you, and if you were to hold your arm out parallel to the floor, and if I were to press down just below your wrist, okay, or just above your wrist, if I were to press down um, and you were to resist me, you'd be able to resist me. You'd be normally strong. If you were to say a true statement, like if you were to say, my name is Wendy, you'd stay strong because that's congruent. But if you were to say something that's incongruent or untrue, like my name is Bob, and if you were to try to resist me, then your arm would weaken for the space of probably about three or four seconds is all. And then your body goes back to being strong. But during that little window, we can ask questions and we can get answers. So it's, I, we refer to it as muscle testing. Um, it goes by different names. Um, you know, there's kinesiology is another method or it's another name for muscle testing. Applied kinesiology is kind of a, kind of a chiropractic science that, has to do with testing all the different muscles in the body. It's also called kinesthetic testing, but we just call it muscle testing. And that's one of the ways you can get information. One of the first methods that we teach in the Emotion Code book is something called the sway test, where we teach people how if they're standing upright and they're totally relaxed with their eyes closed, if they're holding thoughts of congruency or truth or positivity, their body will tend to sway forward as they're holding those thoughts. If they're holding thoughts of negativity or falsehood or incongruency, 
the body will tend to sway backward eventually. And that's another way. And some people just use that method. Most people can do, most people can use that method without, without any trouble and without uh, really having to do a lot of practice. The other methods, for example, self-testing, like we teach the ring and ring method like this, the rings will tend to stay strong and stay together uh, when the body's in a congruent state. If the answer is yes, if the answer is no, then the rings will tend to break apart. There are lots of different methods. There's one like this that we don't really teach, but that's another variation where you can put a finger in the ring and it'll tend to break out uh, on a no and tend to stay in the ring for a yes. There's other methods. There's uh, You can do a one-handed test like this. Yeah, there's all kinds of methods. We also, um, in the books, teach about how you can use something uh, like a pendulum uh, or other dowsing devices because you can get answers from those as well. And it's not that those devices like a pendulum, it's not like they're giving you the answer. All they're doing is magnifying the change in the energy field that's taking place in the body. Because the, the most sensitive instrument that exists in the known universe is the human body itself. It's this incredibly sensitive instrument. And so if we ask questions, those changes will manifest on the body. So yeah, that's kind of how it works. It's pretty simple. Yes. And it's all so fascinating. So fascinating. And so in your, the book, the body code, you know, one of the sections in there is trapped emotions, which is, you know, a part, you know, all about your, your book, the emotion codes is all about that. So how, how do trapped emotions or emotional trauma affect our physical health? And there's a lot of conventional medical research to support how emotional trauma causes uh, a significant portion. It's like 65% plus of uh, physical health issues, correct? Well, yes, absolutely. And uh, what I found during the years that I was in practice, of course, is that as people were coming to me for physical pain, primarily early on in practice, uh, I was interested in doing whatever I could to get them out of pain. And uh, as, as time went on, I gradually learned that um, their emotional baggage was a hugely significant cause of physical pain. In fact, in fact, about 90% of the physical pain that my patients had, and th this is still holding true uh, even now after being out of practice for many years, what I found was that that very, very high percentage of uh, physical pain was actually being caused in whole or in part by emotional baggage. So what I found was that when I could identify a trapped emotion and release it, the pain would immediately disappear. In fact, let me share a story with you. There were, to give you an idea how this works, there was a, uh, many years ago, a, kind, a guy came in to see me who was really in serious pain. He was about a nine, zero, a nine on a zero to 10 scale with, with his low back. And I started testing him and right away found that he had a trapped emotion. The emotion uh, was anger. And uh, I was able to trace it back using muscle testing, asking questions of his subconscious mind. Uh, traced it back very quickly to about 20 years before. And he said, okay, yeah. I said, I know what that is. Uh, it was a work situation, he explained, where he had been falsely accused of something that he did not do. And he was really angry about it, really upset. And it, uh, it, the whole thing kind of blew up and, and got ugly. And so, um, that energy was so powerful, that anger, of course, see, everything is energy, right? Our bodies are energy. You know, the chair you're sitting on your car, your house, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, thought, emotion, everything is energy. And so that energy of that emotion was so powerful 
that it didn't get processed by his body. And so it became trapped. Now, when we talk about an emotional energy that becomes trapped, we refer to it, of course, as a trapped emotion. And a trapped emotion in this case is a little ball of energy from about the size of a baseball to about the size of a cantaloupe. And uh, this energy apparently was lodged right in his low back because when I swiped a few times with a magnet down his governing meridian to release that trapped emotion, the pain instantly disappeared. It went from a nine to a zero that quick. And uh, he couldn't believe it. He keeps, <laughs> he kept walking around and bending over and twisting this way and that way and trying to find the pain. And it was gone, completely gone. It was like a miracle. And I was grateful that it worked so well. So if you think about this, here, here's what happens with a trapped emotion. When you have an emotional energy in the body, the body itself is nothing more than an energy field. So when you introduce emotional baggage, a trapped emotion, it's literally a ball of energy. In this case, a ball of anger, as weird as that sounds, that's how this works. Um, that ball of anger in his low back was continuously distorting the normal energy field in that area of his body, okay? And interfering with the chemical reactions in those tissues and interfering with the blood flow and the lymph flow to some degree and interfering with the flow of acupuncture meridian energy through that area. And when you interfere with and you distort the energy field, you're ultimately distorting the tissues because the tissues are made of energy. And so physical pain in his case was the big result, physical pain. So when I released that trapped emotion and that distorting force was suddenly gone, guess what? The pain is gone. And so uh, it was amazing. He came back into me a couple of days later for a follow-up and he said, you know, and this is the interesting part of this and the reason why I'm telling you this story. He said, you know, um, my back pain is still gone. He said, it hasn't come back. And he said, I still can't believe it. But he said, you know, when I came in here, I had another problem that I didn't tell you about. He said, for as long as I can remember, I've basically been what you'd call a rageaholic. And he said, I'm always yelling at my wife and my kids. He said, I, I'm really tightly wound. And he said, I, I've been to anger management several times, hasn't really helped me. And I have to really be careful of road rage. But he said, since you released that trapped emotion of anger from me, from that thing that happened 20 years ago, he said, I feel totally different. He said, now, he said, things that used to set me off don't set me off. They just kind of go right by. And he said, I feel, um, I just feel kind of relaxed and kind of peaceful. He said, how did, how does this work? How did you do that? And at the time I said, well, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. I was just using it for pain relief, right? But then I started to discover that, you see what happened in this guy's case, for example, and this is an example that we're all dealing with in all of our lives. He had this emotional energy of anger from 20 years before. Well, when a situation would come along in his life where he might tend to feel the emotion of anger, he would feel it much more easily, much more readily than he otherwise would have because part of his body was feeling that emotional vibration 24 seven, right? <laughs> part of his body was vibrating at that frequency all the time. So it was very easy for his whole body to fall into resonance with that frequency because that's how it is. Every emotion that we experience is a frequency and um, they're all different, see? 
Anger is different than sadness, and that's different from frustration and so on. So uh, what I found during those years in practice is that I was able to correlate the location of these emotional energies with what was going on with my patients. And you can actually feel these as well. So um, it seems that normally, uh, and this is one of the things we teach in our seminars and have taught for many years, normally when you find a trapped emotion, that emotional energy is, is under the skin. But as you start to identify it and you go through this process that we outlined in the emotion code, what happens is that energy will start to emerge out into the energy field of the body. And you can actually feel these things. If you take your hand and you put it in front of your face, and you blow on your hand with the faintest breath, you can just barely register. That's what these feel like, like a faint coolness. Sometimes they feel warm. Um, it depends. Sometimes it feels like when you, when you touch one of these, it feels like you're putting your hand into a refrigerator. It's really wild. But um, it, took you, it took me a long time to figure this out because of course you can't see these. They're completely invisible, but they're real. Yes. Yeah. And so you have your new book out, The Body Code, amazing information. So where can people uh, find this and learn more on your website? What is your site? Yeah. Our, our main site is at discoverhealing.com. That's our main page. And then I have a blog page at drbradleynelson.com. D-R-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Okay, fantastic. Well, Dr. Dr. Earth, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, I'm Dr. Wendy Byers, and uh, thanks again for listening. And, you know, I love every week bringing experts from around the world to help you give those little pieces, those little keys of the puzzle uh, to your health because you deserve to feel good. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.